Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to Stars Matter, a recruiting podcast from The Athletic. I'm Mitch Light, he's Ari Wasserman, and Ari is sitting right next to me, the newlywed Ari Wasserman. How's it going, buddy? Don't forget that Bill Landis is also in the room. Yeah, we have a studio audience for the first time ever. He said he's going to boo us, so we need to make, your hot takes need to be strong or else you're going to get booed. Yeah, well, I always envisioned like my life and how it would turn out, and I always thought like you know I'd get married to the love of my life by the ocean somewhere and have all my friends and family there and then immediately honeymoon with you and Bill. So, um, and, and we're, forget, we're also forgetting that our producer, Mike's in the room. Yeah. So I, I want to make sure that he also is represented into the studio audience. But we are in the same room and we're going to try to have a really good show where, uh, you know, we're right next to each other. And this is the first time we've met in person. Um, and we've had a podcast for, what, seven months now? Yeah. Okay, so let's, let's do it. Why don't you run us through... The commitments. Are you going to tell me what to do? Yeah. Don't I always? i got to backtrack for a second. Wedding, five-star planning was was the execution. Was it four-star, high four-star, low five-star? I think that the planning was three-star planning. Okay. And the execution was five-star. Bill Bill was there. I don't know. Hold hold up a number, Bill. People have seemed to uh, think that it went really well. Um, Hold on. Composite rating. From Bill Landis, five-star wedding. If it was I wouldn't a, know. If I, wasn't it was a invi- I wasn't invited, so I, I wouldn't know. Well, it's funny. You have this like weird criteria when you're inviting people to your wedding of like having met them in person. Uh, <laughs> I, know, I know it's strange, um, but that's kind of the way we went about it. Um, but we didn't really put that much planning effort into it, and I thought that the execution actually turned out to be quite, quite good. So good. Um, very happy with it, happy to be married, happy to be done with it. Um, now that we can just like go on to our lives and not have to call light people in the middle of our workday, um, but yeah, totally awesome. And I got to look at Bill while I was getting married, so that was good. <laughs> perfect, sounds perfect. All right, um, so we are recording Wednesday. Uh, you'll be listening to this Thursday or whenever. But Ohio State just got a commitment from Austin Sarvelt, a offensive lineman from Lakota East High School, uh, number three hundred and fifty nationally. Ohio State, now there are seven four-stars in the state of Ohio. Ohio State has four of them. It's the number six class, but no five-stars. Ari, I'm guessing this recent commitment doesn't change your opinion of Ohio State's trajectory. Uh, Bill kind of talked me down off the ledge. Uh, I'm going to let it play out. I'm not going to go okay. too crazy. I'm, I'm going to let things play out. So when you said Ohio State's turning into Penn State before, was that off right the Right now, they have a Penn State class. And if they finish with this class this way, then it'll be a Penn State class. But I also saw, um, you know, f- funny enough, during my wedding weekend, I didn't do a lot of reading about recruiting. But I did see that Ohio State got a few crystal balls from some five-star prospects from coast to coast. Bill, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Brandon Innes was one of them. So, like, if they start landing those dudes, then it turns into an Ohio State class very quickly. I'm just wondering if, like, the the 10 commitments that they have right now and only two top 100 players, 
that's not the right ratio for Ohio State. But if they can get a flurry of top 100 players and get back into the 8 to 12 range by the time this is all over with, then I think they'll be in a good position right now. Uh, you know, and there will be ratings increases. They'll get the Bama bumps, and you know, all those things will happen. But I mean, they're not really blowing me away. I don't know. It's you know, it, that's fair right now. I mean, they've their classes in recent years have featured the high end five stars from coast to coast. So you know, Ari, I think your decision to let it play out and not form you know a, a final opinion on this class eight months. I don't have a final opinion. I have a current opinion, and the an current evolving opinion, opinion is that the. The current, like what, what, what my opinion of the class is in February, is obviously going to be different than what my opinion of the class is right now. But right now, I see ten commitments and two top one hundred players, one of which is a tight end. Like I don't know that that blows me away. And like last year, at the beginning stages of the twenty twenty two class, didn't they have like four five star prospects out of like their first eight commits or some crazy number like that? Like they're they're way behind pace of what they usually are, and their their state is weak, but they've already taken, what you say, four out of the seven four-star prospects in the state. I, I don't know if they're done taking in-state prospects. Well, one of them's committed to Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. The other so, two are uh, I mean, I don't know if they're done. I mean, Bill might have to get up out of his chair and come talk into this microphone for, for you know, correction purposes. But Bill from Columbus has corrected me. He says two of these seven are committed to uh, two Cincinnati. Of, two of the seven are committed to Cincinnati. So... You know, the more that commit to Cincinnati, the less they can take. So I think that's a good thing. I think now it's it's time to uh, it's time for them to start ramping up in Florida and California and Texas and start getting some of that top end talent that we're so accustomed to seeing. Because right now, I just see an average class, especially I mean, a good class comparatively to like what most people would want. But for Ohio State standards, what is currently assembled is not a national championship class. Remember when you got that mailbag question from the Notre Dame fan? Basically, I forgot the specifics of the question, but just accusing you of like not giving Notre Dame credit. Mm-hmm. Well, we keep talking about Notre Dame a lot in this podcast this year. Notre Dame sucks. No, that's not that's not nice. Sorry, Notre Dame number one in the two four seven composite ratings got a commitment from Bubakar Traore, T R A O R E, a four star defensive lineman from the. Well-known Massachusetts pipeline, West Roxbury, Mass. Uh, number 150 overall, uh, the tw- number 22 defensive lineman. Like I said, Notre Dame's now number one. They leapfrogged Texas Tech. But here's the key. Five top 100 players. And the lowest of Notre Dame's 11 commits is number 346. They're all five stars. So that has the making of a top five class, right? No matter what. All when. four stars. All four stars, Except yeah. one. Yeah. And uh, that's the funniest thing about it, like, my number one criticism from Notre Dame fans is always like, yeah, it's a good class, but it's not a championship caliber class, right? Um, and they're always like, why can't you just give them credit when they have a good class? It's like I'm doing the exact same thing because like what Ohio State has right now looks like the typical Notre Dame class where you have a few top-end players, but for the most part they're all trickled in mostly from the Midwest in the 300 to 500 range. And now you look at Notre Dame's class, Notre Dame's class – on May 4th when we're recording this looks like what I would have expected Ohio State's class to look like. So um, they have the number one class in the country right now and for the first time uh, maybe in the last 10 years you could say it's not about quantity it's also about quantity with Notre Dame. So what's happened happened at Notre Dame, Ari? Uh, I don't know. Did anything change? I think they have a new head coach. Yeah, and and I'm very curious to see like I do think that you know it is a recruiting podcast and people are recruiting obsessed and I think there is a certain dynamic to um you know 
discussing the way that classes look in the middle. And I know that like that is short-sighted because classes will look a lot differently inherently in, in five, six months. There's no question about that. But when you're analyzing what Notre Dame has put together, I bet you off the top of my head without even looking it up, this is more top 100 players in a single class they've ever signed in the Brian Kelly era period. And they're only halfway through their class so far. So, um, you know, I do think that, like, this is a very, very top-heavy class, and Notre Dame has lacked top-heavy talent. And um, I'm very impressed so far with the way things are going there. And, you know, I've always been one of these people that, you know, kind of understands and respects what Notre Dame is. You know, we've been to South Bend before. No, I'm not uh, one of those people that says like, there's a lot of college football people that think Notre Dame's time has passed them by, that they can't ever no, win again. I, 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 I'm I don't not one of those yeah, people. I, no. I, I don't understand why. We've sure, been to a, there are some restrictions there. There's you, you talk about it. Their their pool, while national, there are some academic restric- restrictions. There's some cultural fits that aren't great there. Um, but I, with the right, you know, Marcus Freeman clearly is a guy that can recruit at that level. Now he's got to pass the test if he can coach at that level because it's all right. It's well, not I mean, I all think recruiting. It's, it's very it's very early too. I mean, like if this is the number of top 100 players they finish with, then you know we'll have a different discussion. But I've been to Notre Dame a few times. I've never been to a game there, unfortunately. But, Bill, you've been there, right? I've been. Why don't you ask me? I'm doing the podcast oh, with you. Well, I mean, my best friend's in the room. I'm, I, <laughs> you see the pain in my eyes right there? I was just messing with you. Um, but it's a different place, though. Like, when you go to Notre Dame, like, I've been to a lot of college campuses and have spent a lot of time on the road going to games and stuff. Notre Dame, whether you hate them or love them, you have to acknowledge that it is a special place. It does feel like college football is like the spirit of college football is there. And there are enough players in the country that have good enough grades and test scores to qualify, and there are certainly enough good players that play at private religious high schools that have already been exposed to that to sign a top five legitimate class. And, you know, it's very hard, I understand, to recruit there and to go into public high schools in Florida and bring them up to Notre Dame and say you have to live with the regular student and or whatever it is that they're, you know. I don't know if that's changed or not. They used to have to live in the dorms and have regular student roommates, and I still think that's the case. Um, but they, they, they've made the playoff. They've gotten twice. further than twice. I mean, like, they are on the cusp. I feel like three classes with seven top 100 players in there, and they are legitimately in the discussion to yeah. beat an Alabama when they actually play again. And one thing is they haven't had great quarterback play during this run either. They, you know, they, they, their roster clearly wasn't – it's been good enough to make the playoff, maybe not win a national championship, but maybe that roster with a, a elite quarterback would have carried them farther. I have a Ian Book rookie card, so can you not say that? Oh, um, I'm sorry. Did I? Did I did, did, is this podcast going to devalue his? Uh... It might. Okay. I mean, I, actually, I don't think it can be devalued anymore. Than it already <laughs> is, but yeah, no, that's true. And they've also signed multiple elite level players and um, at the quarterback position. And I'm very curious to see how that that pans out. So, you know, the number one discussion with Notre Dame has always been what is has always been since the coaching change has is appreciating Brian Kelly. It's like, now that you look back at what he did there, like, do you believe that Notre Dame reached its ceiling with Brian Kelly, like, as a program? Like, could they ever be better than that? There are some people that say, you know what? Brian Kelly's going to go to LSU and he's going to win a national championship because all he's done every stop that he's ever been is elevate the program and and take that program to their ceiling. 
um, which makes you uh, a, if you if you're one of those people that makes you somebody who believes that LSU is going to be very very good. Um, I respect what Brian Kelly did at Notre Dame. I thought it was a very good job. But I don't think that I'm one of the people who subscribes to the idea that Notre Dame can never be better than the seventh best team in the country. Agree. Agree. And uh, that recent commitment... Uh, do you think that Notre Dame could win a national title? Yes. I do too. Yeah. Um, Bubakar Trower, the defensive lineman they just got, is um, from Massachusetts. And there's we've talked about this in the past, Ari, but there's five blue chippers in Massachusetts this year. One five-star, four four-stars... Two are committed to Notre Dame, the recent one, Trior, and Preston Zinter, the linebacker. One to Penn State, number four player in the state, Andrew Raplia, who had been a Michigan commit. The top player is five-star offensive tackle, Samson Okunlala, and I believe Ohio State is after him among, you know, he is a very, very good player. And th- if Ohio State ends up taking the first five star, is he the first five star in Massachusetts history? I don't think so. I mean, okay. we've, we've talked about this, I just don't remember. If after all that joking about Michigan's Massachusetts pipeline, if Ohio State signs the five star, there's got to be like a, a funny column in there somewhere. Well, I wonder who could write that. That's awesome. Uh, B says the kid is awesome. So, yeah. um, so he's been in Ohio State camp, and, and there's and there's nobody who who appreciates. You think, Don, think Don Brown can keep him in state? There's nobody who appreciates. Yeah, Don Brown is a big uh, offensive tackle guy. Uh, there's nobody who. Who appreciates an offensive tackle's uh, ability and, and breaking down tape more than Landis? So, um, if he thinks he's awesome, then the kid's awesome. So I'm very excited to see how that all how that all that pans out. But I am very bullish on Notre Dame football. Um, I think if they are able to do this three or four years in a row, they will make the playoff again. And I think that when they do, it will be less of a joke to say they're just going to get their doors blown off by whoever they're playing. Yeah. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Uh, Texas Tech, they got a four-star commitment. Dude, you love Texas Tech. You love talking about Texas well, Tech. Well, because they've been number one or number two in the... In the, in the uh, I know. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm yeah. just saying you're really into them right yeah. now. Yeah. L.J. Martin, four-star running back from Canatulio, uh, or Canatulio, Texas. Tio, I think. Yeah. Canutio. You're the Texas guy now. Uh, number 267 overall, number 17 running back. But Texas Tech has 20 commits, number two class, the next most commits is 11. So they've got nine more. It's Arkansas, Notre Dame, and Penn State. I was disappointed when I looked when I thought all 20 were from Texas. Nope. 19 of 20. They've got a defensive lineman from Louisiana. So we talked about, it might have been two weeks ago, a mailbag question. This, this comes up a lot. It's not going to be a top five class. It's what do you think? This is a top twenty-five class. Top thirty. It actually, probably. Was in, it was in Sam Khan's uh, ask, ask no, the I expert thought, mailbag. I thought that we looked at their average player rating and yeah. then went back to last year's, yes. and it was a, in between a twenty-eight and thirty-five class, yes. which is respectable. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but just clearly ahead of the curve as far as a number of commitments. And this is crazy. I mean, obviously, I'm older than you, but I remember when I first started following this. If a school got a commitment in the summer, like August, 
before a kid's senior year, it was news. And now we're you know you got a class with twenty commitments this far out. When you were covering Ohio State, and you first started covering recruiting, well yeah, but we go back eight ten. Two thousand nine was my first year on the Ohio State. So what, what do you think? Like it, it, when June rolled around, how how many commits would some? Well, back have? in the old days, I mean oh nine seems like a different era of recruiting. Yeah, it just wasn't what it is now. I think Ohio State used to take way more Ohio kids than they do now. Um, and their classes would have 12 to 14 commitments going into the summer because eight of those kids were Ohio State or in-state kids that Ohio State took. And I think now, and again, it's funny that we're talking so much about Ohio State on this week's episode with Bill in the room, but I, I do wonder if the reason why their classes, I mean, I think 11 is pretty advanced, right, for this time of year? Yeah, I think so. Ten commitments. commitments. I mean, well, I, did you? Yeah, I mean, the number one class. Uh, in terms Texas, of pacing. Yeah, Texas Tech has twenty, and then the next most is eleven. So, but back in the day, I feel like they would have more than this. You really? Have, I, well, I mean, Ohio State used to get commitments, more commitments during junior years from from prospects who got early offers because they were more in on on in-state prospects. Now, you know, their entire recruiting board is five-star prospects from Florida, Texas, and California. And it takes a lot longer for those guys to get into the fold. So, um, you know, but having 20, I mean, that's a lot, you know. And if they're going to take 25 to 28 players, depending on what it is, you know, you put yourself in a position to have a really, really good ending to your class too, especially if the guys who are already committed are solid. So, you know, I do like what Texas Tech is doing. They're doing exactly what they were supposed to do, right? They hired this coach who was a high school football legend in the state of Texas and what he's doing is relying on the state of Texas and the relationships that he built through the coaches association in the state to get maybe undervalued or very good players to commit to Texas Tech and to be, believe in the vision. And now I think that like you're seeing that manifest. Now what's interesting will be is how many of these prospects, I mean some of them are, are, are four-star prospects. I mean it's not all a, you know under the, under the radar guys, but I'm very curious to see if those connections, you know, manifest into a class that has seven un- undervalued gems because he knows what who McGuire knows who to touch. They've got they got five four-star prospects in this class or you know, knows who to trust in order to like get those guys that are going to develop into big-time players. So, you know, Texas Tech I actually think has a really interesting opportunity nationally in the next 5 years to really cuz like who I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast, but in the new Big 12, who is the top dog? Well, in the I was just going to bring that up like it's sort of bad luck for them that Baylor is really surging right now. Because like, you would think, I think traditionally, Texas, it maybe, you know, history might not bear this out, but Baylor was awful in the, you know, the 90s and the early 2000s. I think Texas Tech fans think that their spot should be higher on the college football food chain. But right now, Baylor's coming off a Big 12 championship appearance. They are recruiting. They've got program stability with Dave Aranda seemingly like he wants to be there for a while. So, like, this is all great for Texas Tech, but... Baylor's also recruiting at a high level. Now, TCU has been down. I, you know, we, we, Sonny Dykes going there, we, we, we think they'll be kind of uh, bounced back. But in years past, TCU has always had a Texas Tech kind of on that food chain. Now you've got Baylor at that spot right there. But I, I think there is an opportunity in the new Big 12. Mitch, you have a beautiful wife and a beautiful family, two beautiful kids. I want to offer you and your family a job. I want you to be the head coach of the Big 12, new Big 12 team of choice. Which 
program do you take over starting in 2025? Wow, that's a good question. Um, and your kids are already in college or about to graduate or will have graduated by then. So all that matters is is where you would want to live and where you think recruiting would be best and which brand. Well, if I picked TCU, I'd be living near you. Yes, which that's, that's a right. Well, that's actually pretty far. I would. But I, I mean, I we could still, we can still hang out. Uh, rarely. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, I think TCU. I mean, it has to be, right? But TCU is a small campus and a private school, isn't it? Some people might say Houston. It's, a, it's kind of a tough question. And if the, if the answer to the question is tough, that to me rings opportunity for every single member that, remind, that remains. Which makes it a fun league because you can say what you want about Texas back and not back. It's been Texas and Oklahoma from a, from a resource standpoint in the way they recruited and pretty much everyone else. And from an interest standpoint, really. I mean, even if Texas sucks, people still like watching them. So it's, it's very interesting to see, you know, if they're going to be out on their own. And, you know, I don't know if that's a sales pitch. Help, help us become the new king of the Big 12. Um, and I, I, so what would you pick? I think I would pick TCU just based on recruiting territory. Um, I'm, I'm always a huge recruiting territory person, and I don't know. Houston is the only – I mean, Houston is called Houston in Houston. And I think that's, you know, in the job rankings on the Andy Staples show, I think I put them number one. Given some thought after the show aired, I don't know that I would because Houston has – a hell of a lot of talent out there but also it is probably the most competitive city in america right and it's so close to tc i mean it's so close to lsu uh houston texas a&m texas Texas, i mean everybody is there and i don't know if the houston brand is good enough to withstand that enough to sign any of the top 30 players in the city of houston in a given year yet and like tc was one big in yeah, I don't know how much. I mean, TCU's got a better brand. They've been in a Power Five more recently um, than Big Twelve than Houston. Um, I don't think TCU. None of these schools have a national I mean, TCU brand. TCU has beaten Texas regularly. Yes. So that has to count for something, you know. And it's like prospects have seen them compete at the highest level already. So you know, I, I don't know. I think that the right personality at the right place in that entire conference. Does UCF enter your equation? Uh, maybe, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, they're they're a relatively new university, but they seem to have the money and resources to try to make that a football destination, and it's in the in the state of Florida. So, you know, I think that they have. I'm very curious to see if that the new arms race of the new Big Twelve of who's going to take over elevates four or five programs into being awesome, and actually can creates a scenario where they're a legitimate Power Five, for lack of a better term, conference still. Because if you look at it right now, it's just like, how do you view the Big 12 now? Like, I, you, you view, you view the, I view the Big 12 as a, te- a conference that doesn't have, it's not a Power 5 conference anymore in my head. And, like, Power 5 is going to be a fake term, you know, in three years when they leave. Or if the, if the uh, college football playoff expands. Um, but it's a fake conference to me. Okay, let me throw another... But will they ever be in a position where they're like you might look at did it? Did you call go, it a fake conference? A fake big conference? Okay. Yeah, I did. Okay. Because if they don't have a they don't have a anchor, and that's what's been holding the Pac-12 back for all these years. USC is their anchor. Oregon's been their anchor. Right. They're you, down. You, they don't have an anchor. They, no one gives a shit. You so hear like, the, when, a cliche that's true, like SEC basketball is better when Kentucky's good. Pac-12 football is when better when USC's good. 
It's because I was on a radio show because you made that. you made me do the Arizona State of the program. Yeah. Um, made forcefully, you? yeah, and uh, <laughs> I like I love irritating you. It's my favorite yeah. thing. That was a two star story that I added into a four star. Was story. it really that bad? Like I'm curious. I felt bad about it. I mean, <laughs> it was I was fine. writing it on my way to the wedding, <laughs> and I thought it like turned out to be okay. Because I edited it into being okay. Okay. Um, it was great. Well, thank you for I enjoyed doing it. that. I enjoyed I, it. I thought you got to talk to Jed Fish. Yeah, but I, but I did do a few radio stints in Pac-12 country as a result of that. Oh, good. It's expanding and, your brand. Yes. And the uh, honestly, what needs to uh, happen to uh, for me to achieve my career goals is for Tucson, Arizona, put me on their back. Um, I do think that there seems to be this, this consistent viewpoint from Pac-12 fans and, and media personalities that people don't respect the conference. And I got asked on these multiple shows, why don't you think the Pac-12 gets the national respect that some of the other conferences do? And there's a lot of comparisons to the middle of the Pac-12 being as good as the middle of the Big Ten. and that Well, that's not true, but maybe the middle of the ACC or the middle of the Big 12, right? And I think there's some merit to that. Like, is, I don't know, UCLA as good as Northwestern? I mean, probably, right? Um, sure. But the problem of that is, is that they don't have a national. Like every other conference in the Power Five, has um, a big brand that can beat anybody in the country, anchoring their 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 conference. Big Ten has Ohio State, and this year it was Michigan, right? Penn State also, to a certain extent, can win a, a big nationally te- uh, televised non-conference game. ACC has Clemson. Don't need to do the SEC because it's half the conference. And who am I forgetting? Um, the Big 12 currently has Oklahoma and Texas. So um, when USC and Oregon aren't very good, there's literally no reason to even pay attention to that conference. And I do think that the new Big 12 doesn't have, doesn't even have hope right now of who's going to be the USC or Oregon. So I'm very curious to see like if a Texas Tech can, can do the long route and, and sign a class like this, get incrementally better, and then put itself in a position to land more top 15 players in Texas and become an anchor for the Big 12 that is a, hey, this team is awesome. This team is fun to watch. Recruits want to play there. And you know what? If we put them on the same field as USC or Penn State or any of the other maybe second-tier elite-level teams in the other conferences, they could win because that's what they need. If they don't have that, then they are screwed from an interest standpoint. And I know that people like watching action, and I know that there is interest. If there's a football game on TV, we watch it because we're obsessed. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably the same way. But I want to know who's going to be the new Big 12 anchor. Okay, so I want to throw uh, take a different approach. And we don't love talking about NIL on this because there's just so much unknown. But if you... Of the new Big 12, Ari, which teams, and I don't necessarily know the answer to this, has the best capability of being a, uh, a big player in NIL? Is it Texas Tech? Big State University? Because you, you mentioned TCU. I don't even know. How, like, that's the thing. that It's like, how do you even quantify that? Is it based on alumni? Is it based size on of boosters? I mean, the big state schools are, you know. Interest from fa- normal fans? Because the collectives is all about normal fans donating. It's a very hard thing to quantify. That's why it's diff- it's not difficult. To difficult's not the right word. Yeah. It's just it's it's hard to get our arms around it because we don't know yeah. the answers. To but these I do questions. I do think that the the natural inclination from a 
from a media person like me that doesn't know the financial pockets of each, in, like the intricacies of that, to go to a school that's closer to a bigger city because there's more businesses and there's more opportunity for well, them that, that's more the, the, the traditional NIL. If we're looking at collectives and inducements for recruiting, then yeah. it's more the big, now I want to kind of transition because we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but you might not have even seen this headline because you recently got married. I did see this headline. I was about, wondering if you're going to bring it about up. About how college football leaders, they plan on a crackdown of the collectives and the inducements and... Bill Landis had a very interesting story last week on Ohio State's collectives, and there's two, and they were basically pretty upfront, saying, calling out the Tennessee collective and, and some of those like that. That you know that that that's not basically sustainable, and they can't be inducements. We we can roll our eyes and say, you know, how are they ever going to legislate this? How are they ever going to? Uh, you know, come down on schools. I saw the Ross Dellinger headline. Is yes. that what you're referring yeah. to? Yes. What are they going to do, bud? What are they going to do? Cap money from people? The, the cat's out of the bag. I don't know what your thoughts on this are. But, like, I read this, and I didn't read the story because I was getting married and I was thinking about Bill. Um, but I, <laughs> I do not know what you can do to enforce that. Because the second that happens, and correct me if I'm wrong, anybody in the room, the second they try to cap somebody's income, they're going to sue whoever caps them, and they're going to win. So I think the cat is way out of the bag, the genie's out of the bottle, whatever you want to say about it, but it's over. Like, that's it. So if people are concerned about transfers and inducements, and even I saw a headline that Xavier Worthy was being pitched to transfer out of Texas to go get NIL money somewhere else. Free enterprise, man. <laughs> I don't know. If, um, I don't know, uh, let's name, um, if College Football World Magazine was created. Okay. It's a good, and it was, very catchy title. Yes, and it's all about college football. They've got a ton of money, and they come over to the athletic. You know what, Mitch? We will quadruple your salary we love all the work that you did editing Ari's shitty stories and making them better. We know you can edit anybody if you can edit Ari. We will quadruple your salary. Come on over. You take the job, and then the athletic says, oh, nope. How could, how could that ever happen? Unless you sign a contract that prevents you from doing that. I don't know, but I hope it does happen. Yeah, I hope it does for you too, bud. Um, no, no, I'm talking about I, I'm all for current players getting paid NIL. It's just not good for the sport. Yeah, for but the, the but not good recruits for the sport. to be making quote unquote more and I always use Tennessee as the example and I don't know what Hendon Hooker is doing uh, from an IL standpoint. I'm sure he's doing pretty well. But like the fact that Hendon Hooker is the one that the great season as the actual starting quarterback has vaulted Tennessee back to on the right path, and then you got this incoming guy as a junior with the, the you In know, high school. Yeah, eight million dollar whatever. I, I just don't think that's good for the sport. Well, it's like buying the wrong lottery numbers the day after the... I mean, it happens. You Sometimes you're in the right place at the right time, and sometimes you're not. You know, I mean, we've all been there. Um, does it suck for Hendon Hooker? Sure. I mean, but that's not going to be a problem in three years because it's going to be going to be tricky. And he'll get his money. I'm sure he's doing fine. Um, okay, but do know. you think I, it's good for the sport? I don't... I think that it's two separate conversations. If you don't like that it's good for the sport, I'm with you. I think it sucks. Like, the idea of... Good player at Pitt is now transferring to USC because he was awesome and somebody wanted to pay him a ton of money. That sucks because if you're a Pitt fan, then what's the point? 
But whether or not it's good or bad for the sport is a secondary conversation about whether or not it's able to happen and right. what the NCAA can do about it. And I don't think the NCAA can do anything about it because it's free enterprise and you can't take money out of people's pockets anymore. I'll be- so I think we have to kind of like learn to live with the sport that we created. And some people love that and some people don't. And it's like, I'm with you, Mitch. I think anybody who's listened to me on any podcast knows that I've been passionately in favor of these players getting paid because we have a front row seat in this job position to this position to um, see how much work, effort, and time it takes to be a good college football player. And I also believe that if you are recruited at a high level or you are a prospect that somebody wants to pay, then you've already eclipsed 99.9% of the people who do what you do and you deserve to be compensated for that. That said... I don't like that players are transferring from program A to program B because program A is small after it's a good season. That sucks. Okay. I think we all agree yeah, on that. Yeah. It, it's like, yeah, you want the good players and the the, the recruiting that we always talk about. If you, you identify a three-star prospect who turns out to be a first-round draft pick, you want the team that discovered him to reap the benefits long-term. Now, the question that I have is, because this is so new, is is this going to be a temporary thing where Pitt could lose out to USC? Did that happen? Is that is that done? No, he's in, he's, a, he's in the portal. He's in the portal. Qu- hasn't ruled out returning okay. to Pitt. Let's just say he, he goes to USC. The question is, is in three years, is Pitt going to let that happen again? Because right now it's so early in the stage that some teams are more equi- – I mean, like on this podcast a month ago, we were talking about how USC lost on a recruit because they didn't have NIL, and now all of a sudden NIL is stealing kids. Like, which one is it? Like, So, like, I think it's so early in the stage um, where teams are kind of like forming their troops and getting everything aligned. I wonder if it's going to be as prevalent in four years once everybody is doing it. Yeah, and we'll find out. I mean, because, it's, like, it's evolving this, every- this kid to Pitt is yeah. way more valuable than he is to USC, Right. And once he's already in the program, the people in Pittsburgh better, you know, yeah. get some of that steel money and throw it <laughs> against the wall. You know what I mean? Yeah. By the way, um, I, the reason I'm pausing, I'm thinking of the, uh, speaking of Western Pennsylvania, one of the most underrated sports movies. Um, Mayor of right, Easttown? All the Right Moves. Oh. you seen oh, it? Oh, that was Eastern Pennsylvania. Yeah. All the Right no, Moves? No, I haven't. What's that about? Anybody in the room seen All the Right Moves? Landis, surely you've seen All the Right Moves. I have not seen All the Tom right moves. Cruise? West All the right moves is what everybody was saying at, about Landis at my wedding. Huh? <laughs> Am- Ampipe Bulldogs. He's a uh, he's a smallish DB at a, uh, at a school in Western Pennsylvania, Steeltown. Great movie. I want to watch it. It sounds it's, good. Is he a recruit? Is it a recruiting movie? Yeah, it's a little bit. He gets pissed at he gets pissed at his high school coach for blackballing him to all the the recruits the, the recruiters coming in. Oh wow! Yeah, I'm gonna go. The quarterback watch that. goes to West Virginia in the movie. Yeah, there's, maybe there's... I'll watch that tonight when I'm in a pizza coma. I. Uh, <laughs> what do you think is the best recruiting movie of all time? Um, I don't know. All the right moves. I don't. How to lose a guy in ten days. <laughs> <laughs> Atlanta said this... how to lose a guy in ten days, and he wins. Did, did you like that movie? I want. Uh, yeah, I like that movie. I, everybody likes the rom com. There's so many good movies. Um, I was gonna say he got game. I thought that was yeah. good. Yeah, that, and above the rim is really good. If you've never, I've seen, never seen that. that. Have seen you it. seen above the rim, Landis? I have not. <laughs> this is probably not great podcasting, asking questions of someone who's across the room. Landis has not seen Above the Rim. If you haven't seen Above the Rim, Tupac's a tremendous actor. I have not seen it. It's about this kid from who's really good at basketball and has a bad attitude, uh, and he's being recruited by Georgetown, but he also gets involved in extracurricular activities that are detrimental to your path to education. And it's this tug of war between the high school coach and... 
and the antagonist, which is Tupac, and it's about a basketball recruiting. It's awesome. Okay. Well, uh, I, I recommend all the There are also guns in there, too. It's like, it's, there's a lot happening. All right. Speaking of Pitt. Pitt, 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 Pitt. They got a commitment four-star quarterback from Kenny Minchie from just outside of Nashville. Henderson, the, the commandos, I believe. Uh, no, no, he went to JP, too. Uh, one of two Catholic high schools. And his Nashville. name is Kenny. Yeah. There you go. He committed the, on Saturday, the day, uh, the weekend that... Uh, um, the uh, Kenny, Kenny Pickett got uh, first round pick of the Steelers, so there you go. Maybe he'll. Be I the think next. Kenny Pickett is going to be awesome. You do? Yeah, I don't know why. I just have this like weird suspicion. Ever since that fake slide, I'm like all in on that guy. I hate that fake slide. Why? Because they're playing. Oh, uh, they're playing your my son's future school, Wake Forest. Were you was, a, was he committed to Wake Forest yeah. then? Yeah, he decided in October he's going. So I was rooting for Wake Forest. I was pissed. You don't think, but you can't respect the. No, I think that? no. I actually, okay. th- I think the fake slide's bullshit because of the, the entire sport rightfully is doing everything it can to keep quarterbacks healthy. So the quarterback fakes sliding, and you can't go near him, and then he gets up. Well, what, they changed the, the back- rule. Right. You have to respect the hustle when he did it, though. I thought it was bullshit at the time. <laughs> did you think they should have called the touchdown back? I thought it should have been a penalty. I thought they should have called him down. I mean, there was no rule. I guess. Which one is it? Penalty or down? Both. No, I don't, I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm glad it's a penalty now. I don't think anyone will try to do it. I thought that was absurdly athletic and creative. Yeah, I, I appreciate what you're saying, that he, like, yeah. took advantage of the situation. I was like, whoa, I did not know he had it like that. But the that. next time he did that, if he slid and a Wake Forest guy drilled him and he got a concussion, you know, would yeah. he still be creative? Yeah, I understand yeah. why it's a problem, and I understand why I had to okay. change the rule. I just respect the hustle on the moment. Okay. Uh, um, but top 350 player nationally, yeah. number, number 19 quarterback uh, in the country, uh, from out of town, I, I'll take that all day if I'm Pitt. You know he picked uh, Pitt over. Who do you pick Pitt over? Who do you think? I don't a know. Local school, Vanderbilt. I'm sorry, bud. Well, Vanderbilt already has a. Uh, this is actually interesting because we've talked about it, and you wrote a story on it. I was surprised that the Vanderbilt staff was looking for a second quarterback in this class. They already have a kid from Louisiana, Reese Mooney. Because you would think after signing three quarterbacks in the 2022 class that they wouldn't be after two in 2023 because it's rare when. Power five or any program now signs more than one quarterback. Um, that means thirteen top twenty players are out. So we're getting close. Quarterbacks. Quarterbacks. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that I saw too um, is that, and I don't know if this is on your list, and I'm sorry to steal your hosting duties. There's not much more on the list. But I ahead. saw Eli Holstein is like really trending to Alabama right now, and I'm. Don't we haven't know mentioned if we this talk, kid's like, name. Do we got to talk about that for five minutes. We haven't mentioned his name. Does it like to me? It kind of seems like Alabama. Say it. Go ahead. Alabama is. I mean, they were going to take Eli Holstein from the beginning if if he wanted to go there. And does that mean a certain other quarterback might be trending toward Texas and Georgia at this I point? Think Arch Manning. We said it. Uh, Texas and Georgia and uh, Georgia appear to be, you know, at the top. He hasn't. You wrote about him about a month ago. Talked to his coach. Cleared the fence. Yeah, has not eliminated any schools. He still might welcome Florida into the mix. LSU's trying to get back into the mix, but there seems to be a lot of Georgia and Texas momentum. I'm very, very, very excited. I mean, I don't know. I wish that Wait, Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning on the yeah. same roster. You'd have to move to Austin, or just like get Longhorn stuff and decorate all my house. There. I know. I do wish that there was a third school in the mix that hasn't had a top five quarterback ever. That like could be Ole make, Miss. Yeah, like if Ole Miss was still really involved, 
um, just to like kind of spread it out a little bit because like if he picks Georgia, it's like oh, okay, have fun. This won the national title. They're really talented. Okay, like I mean Arch Manning could be the person that turns Georgia into Alabama. Like I like if anybody could be Alabama moving forward, especially now that we're getting into that weird intersection of is Nick Saban going to retire to who's going to replace that dynasty? Are you trying to report some news here? No, I'm just like okay. I'm wondering. If Georgia will be a team like between 2030 and 2040, I don't think we'll that see wins, a team like Alabama that wins six national titles in ten years. If there is going to be one, I think that Georgia is the most likely team to do it. And I wonder if they get Arch Manning and then they get like that type of quarterback to run their ultra talented team. If they could win two national championships, it's like the Trevor Lawrence thing at Clemson. Except that Trevor Lawrence going into a program that's already so um, incredibly talented that they can win a national championship with a walk-on with a noodle arm. Yeah, no. Uh, it, it, I, I just don't think we're going to see another Alabama, what, what they did. Yeah, no, I know. I, but I wonder if like Arch Manning is the catalyst for like, okay, Georgia won a national championship, drought's over, that's how we feel about them right now. But when does Georgia turn into the Death Star? Will they? I think they will. Okay. I think that it's 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 kind of happening at the right time. You Ari's making. Money. I'm, I'm making my right hand is Nick Saban, and it's like I'm trying to like, like it's like kind of hap like trying to make a graph in midair. Yeah, okay. I don't know. I don't know what to do with my. Can hands. I move on? Yes. Three. This is not. That your, should also be promote. I think for the podcast. That's that like that that's a. I awesome. thought that was a keen point. Don't do you, I, Mike? Yeah. Agree. Your next keen point will be your first. Um, Three schools without a 2023 commitment. Can you name them? Is that the trivia question? No, it's not the trivia question. No, I have no idea. Okay. This was as of uh, Tuesday before I left for my trip. South Carolina, Kansas, and Georgia Tech. I, there's a lot with just one, so I don't think, you know, but we've got one with 20. Texas Tech has 20. So most, most schools are in that seven to, or probably four to seven to eight range. Um, just thought that was interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. It's a recruiting podcast. I do love that you do bring in like interesting stats to this podcast. It does mean a lot to me. Here's another interesting. You remember you you wrote on, uh, I think you wrote a story on Sam Horn. Maybe not. I uh, did. Uh, Sam Horn, uh, Missouri's four-star quarterback signee, uh, ended up being he dropped in the rankings. He was a top 100 kid for a while. I thought he's uh, finished number 139. He's like a fringe five-star prospect yeah, when right. I wrote about him. Yeah. So I guess that's what happened when you came to Missouri and not It's called Georgia. the Missouri drop is yeah. what that's yeah. called. It's actually also a river dance in the Ozarks. <laughs> yeah. Why do you keep looking to Bill? You, Ari's like a little kid who's looking to dad. I haven't seen Landis in real life in two years. What do you want from me? The guy's my guy. <laughs> For reinforcement. And Bill is sitting over there with his head in his laptop, not even looking at Ari. So <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's the like way It's like a little kid looking to dad for, like, you know, approval, and dad's just sitting there drinking a beer, not even paying attention. Yeah. Okay, so I want Dave Matter from the uh, St. Louis Post-Dispatch had this note. I I've gotten into a Twitter feud with him nine years ago. Okay. I don't remember what it was about. Well, I wanted you... to credit him because okay. I read this information from his story. But he is now, Sam Horn is now ranked the 70, number 71 prospect by MLB.com. And there's some thought he could move up even more. So there's a chance that Sam Horn never even enrolls at... Um, Missouri, which would be a big blow, obviously, for a court program like that to get such a uh, high-profile quarterback signee. They only have two scholarship quarterbacks now with Brady Cook and Tyler Macon, another guy you wrote about, because uh, Connor Bazelik transferred to Indiana. Uh, Jerry Bohannon, the Baylor quarterback who just transferred, recently visited Missouri. So just thought that was an interesting note on Sam Horn, um, a guy that uh, it, was, it was big news when he committed to Missouri. He had a lot of really high Power 5 offers there, so... 
Um, he's a talented kid. Might play. Might might go to the MLB draft. Yeah, right. You got any more? You were not interested in that one. No, I do. I th- you're a big baseball person. Yeah. I'm very curious to know like what your general take on like baseball versus football is. Well, I watched Moneyball the other day. Yeah, and uh, poor guy took the money too soon and it didn't work out for him. I feel bad for him. But it's Billy hard. Bean. Yeah, it's hard to. It's hard not to take the money if you're. Uh, uh, it depends. The first round draft pick in Major League Baseball nowadays, it's hard to turn down that money. One thing that we've seen a lot of players do over the years is take the money, go play minor league baseball for two or three years. If it doesn't pan out, you're still 21 years old. You can go back to college and play. We've seen uh, football. Yeah, go play, play yeah. football in college. So. Yeah. yeah, that'd be interesting. What would you advise? What would you advise? Uh, I would take the money no matter what the scenario <laughs> is in life. Not surprising at all. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean. So you're gonna go play at Eastern Michigan with their NIL money? I think that my I have ta- I have take the money tattooed on my shoulder blades. Yeah, that's your your only advice to your children. Yes, or child, right now, just have one child. Yeah. Um, are you ready for your uh, trivia question? Yeah, I am. Okay. So I did a little research on the NFL draft and stars. Everyone talks about oh, you know. And every year I usually do a, a breakdown of that. Okay. I didn't do it this year. So did you add it up? Over the last three drafts, there have been a total of. How's your math? How many first-round picks have there been over the last three years? In three years? Yes. 96. Very good. Where'd you go to college? Arizona? Arizona. Yeah, you wrote about them. It's a mm-hmm. good story. Well done. How many of those 96 were five stars? How many were four stars? How many three stars? How many two stars? How many unranked? No profile. That's hard. Um, okay. So sh- which way do you want me to start? Start the with five top stars. Top or the yeah, bottom? Five stars. Okay, top. 96. Um, 96. So. 17 five stars. Close. Okay. Let me let me open up a notepad here so I can... Okay. Okay. Do you want me to tell you the number now? Why now don't you just a... guess for each one? And then okay. we'll go back and... Um, 17 five stars. 23 four stars. Not close. Wait. Yeah, so the... No, it isn't. Okay. My biggest guess was going to be three stars. I thought that the biggest bulk of it would be three. The most, four stars. Interesting. Well, that's that sweet spot between yeah. those. There's too few five How stars many fo- to be it. Too few five stars, which is why I did low. Yeah, and But usually they still get drafted. But I thought that since there was an infinite amount of three stars, that that would just... Uh, there's would, not an infinite amount of three stars. There's, there's like way more. Right. I was just way more. Being very literal. All right, just tell me. I don't. I, I mean, I just messed it up. So I mean, you didn't even let me get. I to thought the, once you got married, you'd get better at your trivia. I don't know. I, what would marrying? <laughs> no, I don't. Have, I, I, okay, so <laughs> there's 21 five stars. So 21 okay. of the 96. So I was thinking clearly on that one. Yes. 38 four stars. What did I say? 21. Okay. Or, well, I wanted to keep enough so that I could go like 40 three stars. 33 three stars. Okay. Two two stars, excuse me, and two unranked, no profiles. Interesting. Yeah. It's about what I would expect. Then why did you guess that? Um, I mean, there's not much difference in my mind between lower-ranked four stars and three stars. So. All right, we have a new feature yeah. on the podcast this week. We asked the studio audience to grade, based on the recruiting scale of two to five stars, to grade the podcast. He's thinking. Are you... Are you going to listen to it still? <laughs> that would be really weird. Yeah. 
But we had some adverse circumstances here. We're doing it in person. We had some new equipment. It's like a, it's like a four star that's like closer to four hundred than it is top hundred. Okay, so so, okay, low, so we got low four star. Okay. Yeah, our podcast got drafted. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. We were high. Ma- this is a high major podcast then. Yeah, it was pretty good. It was nice to to look at you in the eyes in person. Let's hope that it sounds good. Um, we'll be back next week. We'll be with back this. Uh, Next, <laughs> shut up. We'll be back next week. It'll be more of a normal podcast. I'll, be, I'll, I'll be, be lying in my, in my room with I'll my be, shirt off, I'll and you'll be, be in your room. Yeah, I'll be in my bonus room. There'll be a little more research because we, you know, we, we, we've been traveling. Already got married. No excuses. We still think it was a good pod. Hey, you're gonna close this out. You know what's so do? crazy? What? And I don't know how you guys are, but I got drunk um, <laughs> the night before my wedding. I was out real late, and then the night of my wedding, two nights in a row, and it took my body three days to fully recover from that and like back in the days like when i was 20 like that was just like a weekend and like now like i got married sunday wednesday this is the first day where i'm feeling even remotely normal is that typical for old people yeah. mitch yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, yeah yeah basically i stopped drinking a lot when i had my first child because there's I think I've said this in the pod there's nothing worse than being really hungover and having a kid wake up at 5.30 in the morning crying that happened to me a few months ago it was terrible (laughs) so you gotta pick and choose your spots yeah you're right you're right okay well thank you so much for listening to uh, this edition of Stars Matter I missed you guys last week Uh, Andy did a tremendous job filling in although you didn't listen and I did not listen (laughs) but I also I didn't expect you to the show his name is Andy his name's on the feed um his name's on the feed. But did he do a shitty job? No, he did a okay, great job. Okay, so then Andy did a great job filling in for the show. <laughs> um, thank you so much uh, for your continued listening. We'll be back in our normal studio <laughs> next week, and we'll have a great show for you. Take care, and that was Stars Matter. Stars Matter.